Are we good on the mic situation? Yeah. Yeah, she's started recording. Oh. But I guess keep talking. Um, a bundle of hers in the virtual studio. We obviously have the new Dr. Lay, ha, and um Lean <laughs> and Margo. <laughs> right and- no longer want that title. <laughs> but you know, I feel like this episode these seasons, maybe a couple episodes ago when it was Lean, Harjeet and I kind of venting about burnout, we talk a lot about the flaws in our healthcare system and that we navigate as medical trainees in this podcast. And something I've been thinking a lot about is, you know, the first step of something is always like acknowledging a problem or just like identifying something that's bothering you or something that's wrong in the systems that we function in. And I think we've done a really good job of that in the podcast. But for me, it's like, what's the next step? I wanted to do more action. And as you guys know, residency like takes up all your time. So I felt a lot of like disconnect. And so I've been thinking and connecting more with mutual aid funds. And that I think is something we haven't talked about on the podcast yet is the role of mutual aid in healthcare and just in our lives in general. And so I was going to give a brief history of mutual aid and kind of an introduction to it. And then we're going to talk about mutual aid funds and their role in healthcare. Like in definition, um, a mutual aid fund or organization or society is basically a voluntary and reciprocal exchange of resources and services for mutual benefit of its members or the community. So it is also usually associated with um, a form of political participation in making change or social change and in ways that people will take responsibility for caring for one another. It's not charity. So it's not like you donate to some big foundation that you're not really part of, but like there's a GoFundMe and you just like give someone money and it makes you feel better and you don't really know where how that money's being used. Um, and it's more than just like advocacy or volunteer work. It's truly solidarity at its roots. Uh, I want to ask then like just to like clarify and get a better sense of what mutual aid is because I feel like I understand it, but I always feel there's so much more to learn. For instance, I know that a lot of um, black and brown med school graduates on med Twitter, they have something where they do med grad wish list where they kind of post like their Amazon link about like what they would like to like get funded as they make their move to residency and people can donate to that. Is that like, is that a form of mutual aid? Because that's what I always thought it was, but I'm not certain. So I just wanted to check about it. Yeah, that's definitely more of like a modern sort of mutual aid that we see on social media um, in our modern like climate. And so it can be a form of mutual aid. And I think it's a great one. There's a lot of place and space and accessibility for people who need to reach out to a broader community and network through social media, like med Twitter and these people. The problem is there's also a lot of predators and people that like, if you don't necessarily know that one person or it's kind of hard to know like how that money's being used. And so I think you have to be intentional about it. Um, but yes, that does. It is a form of mutual aid. Yeah. Because I was definitely curious because you said it's not like GoFundMe. So I was kind of curious what the line is because there are so many like med Twitter or like even just general Twitter things where people are like retweet, please help me with like something, you know, and they're like often like from a marginalized identity. And and I should like retract my statement about GoFundMe because it can be a very good tool for mutual aid. But I think there are a lot of, again, it's, it comes back to being intentional and knowing the community and the people that you are reaching out to support intentional community 
reach outreach and support. It's not like if you see someone who has throws up a GoFundMe link and you don't really know who or why or what, like, sure, go give your money and like that's charity and that's still like a good thing. But if you like happen to be part of that community and understand the needs and maybe why or the drives or things like that or want to engage in conversation or around that community, then that becomes more of the mutual aid network. It can be pretty complicated versus like an individual asking for charity and money versus like an actual network that is also has a secondary platform to drive social change. Yeah, that makes like a lot of more sense. And I'm glad we're having a conversation about this because I think it is a very like complex and heavy term to think about. And like to your point, how neither like both of what we were just talking about, mutual aid networks and like individuals asking for charity and funding, those are both like valid things to do and to support. Just mutual aid networks and societies also have a larger undercurrent and like agenda to them versus like just helping someone out, like helping another graduate out, you know, one on one. So like not neither of those are wrong. It's just different. So let's let's talk uh, quickly about the history and like more about what uh, mutual aid funds or societies are. And then we can get back to like how it ties into our personal lives and healthcare. So I did a lot of recent learning and, and brushing up about me- the history of mutual aid funds from Dr. Taisha Maddox, um, who's a PhD and an assistant professor at Fordham University in the Department of African and African American Studies. Um, she has a, a lot of um, literature and, and publications around the history and like sort of use of mutual aid funds then and now. And she has a great 13 minute YouTube video called um, The History and Politics of Mutual Aid um, by Taisha Maddox. So go check that out for more information and to like give full credit where credit is due. But a lot of this history I have learned from her. So um, according to Taisha Maddox, a mutual fund consists of four key tenets, which are self-organization, egalitarianism, which basically means like equality amongst all members, direct action, and social transformation. If we go back to like what would be perceived as the conception of mutual aid funds, many people, especially if you're taking like a white supremacist capitalistic lens, would say the start of mutual aid came from a Russian man named Peter Kropotkins. And I probably said that wrong, so I apologize. But his key text, which was like really deemed like an anarchist text, was titled Mutual Aid, a Factor of Evolution. And in this way, it was easy for the government to target and like kind of vilify mutual aid efforts when they framed it around this. But the reality is that mutual aid and action has been utilized by BIPOC communities for centuries as they came under oppression and occupation by colonizers. It's essentially modeled after many community-centered groups and and ways of life of indigenous peoples. Um, So essentially, if we look at the history, one of the earliest Black American documented like formal mutual aid efforts was called the Free African Society. It started in Pennsylvania in 1787. Its uh, efforts were to support those who were working towards abolition of slavery. Many other um, societies like it started popping up in neighboring cities and states. After the Civil War um, and abolition of slavery, many mutual aid groups formed to help support, educate, house, care for the newly emancipated peoples. And pretty much 
then, you know, every immigrant group that has has come to the U.S. also formed um, mutual aid groups to support their communities and advocate for rights within the U.S. political system. So, for example, uh, many early Chinese immigrants arriving to the ports of San Francisco were met by representatives of what was known as family associations, like, for example, the Lee Association of America, who provided immigrants with temporary housing, food, small business loans and medicine. And from this model, Asian American immigrants also started what was known like as collective credit to help new members be able to establish themselves and start businesses, overcome any sort of financial obstacles. And, you know, because we function in a capitalistic society, money and funding is sort of necessary for survival in the U.S. And so mutual aid funding became is a core tenant in this society, like in our country. And so there were ways to adapt to that in a community-centered model like these collective credit groups. And in the 1900s, so at the turn of the century, there was a group called the Sociedades Mutualistas, which had collectives in every city with a major Spanish-speaking population, which was a demonstration that these mutual aid groups could function on a local and national level, like even before there was internet. Um, so that stands a lot for the strength of these networks. Also in the 1900s, or like at the turn of the century, union, labor unions and mutual aid groups were key to improving working conditions and labor laws. However, it's important to recognize that these movements were segregated and the white people co-opted BIPOC traditions and models of mutual aid, but to benefit themselves and sort of left BIPOC people out of the benefits that they gained from their efforts. And then in the Great Depression also demonstrated the absolute need and benefit of mutual aid funds. There was a huge spike in these groups, but it also was a huge time that strained the efforts and abilities of mutual aid groups. And so Franklin Delano Roosevelt at the time turned some struggling uh, mutual aid funds into New Deal legislation that would then go on to disproportionately benefit white people. And without needing these sort of mutual aid community groups, um, sort of white dominated mutual aid funds kind of dissipated across the country. Um, however, because racism was very rampant in the New Deal and there was still a continued need for BIPOC led and centered mutual aid groups and funds and labor unions. So they, there still was a lot of strength and power behind them. Some examples of ones from 1900s were like the United Farm Workers Union, the National Welfare Rights Organizations, and then various neighborhood improvement organizations. There are so many that you know, these were just like probably some that you've heard about either in school or popular media. In the 1980s is when we see the first healthcare um, mutual aids start coming up um, with the AIDS epidemic, um, the HIV and AIDS epidemic. And so these were started by and for AIDS patients because a lot of the general public were refusing to care for these people. And so there was another need that came up for having a community-centered welfare group and to advocate for rights and healthcare for these patients. Now, more commonly, we see a lot of mutual aid funds that are ignited out of natural disasters like Hurricane Maria that hit Puerto Rico or the recent like Turkey and Syrian earthquake. But I think one of the biggest reasons that mutual aids have sort of kind of been re um, ignited is with the COVID-19 pandemic. And that's how I learned, really learned about them. And I think when we were, so we were fourth year medical students and at 
the end of our second semester, middle of our second semester and everything got shut down. We were kept from the hospital and sort of at home. And I, I remember distinctly having conversations with you and Harjeet about like feeling powerless and then learning about like the Salt Lake COVID mutual aid fund and like how you could go and buy groceries for immunocompromised or really ill people who like really couldn't leave their homes. And then there was like community fridges and things like this. And so those sort of mutual aid funds really cropped up all over the country. Um, and then kind of like we talked about in the beginning, there's a lot of um, social media has given access and um, space to a lot of mutual aid funds as well. But that's kind of like a basic history. Like I said, go learn more from Taisha Maddox about mutual aids in detail. But do you guys, does that help clarify things, make it more muddy? I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts? This is actually funny because I remember during COVID, I was thinking like, wow, I have this innovative thought. And I think, you know, as a community, we like, I guess in a sense, you kind of dismantle the idea of capitalism where it's, you know, gain over gain over gain. It's like you build these communities within each other and you try to like, you spread the resources among each other and then you support building the resources for each other. Right. Mm -hmm. And now you're telling me that, oh, wait, that exists. It's called a mutual aid. And so I'm sitting here like, wow, I wasn't that genius. But I think it's interesting how like you don't often hear about these things. Right. You know, I'm honestly like completely new to this idea in a sense as a definition per se, but as an idea, I I think I've, I've always thought about, you know, why don't people do these kind of things? And I think oftentimes they get kind of covered up into like, oh, this is charity. You're doing charity work. But by that definition, charity kind of defines who you give it to, what criteria you have to meet to give it to them. It's not really community building per se, right? It's more just supporting a community of your choice. Yeah. And so I think this is different in that regard. It's totally different. So like you can donate to an, a charity organization and not know anything about that organization, what they do or who or what they donate. Like, so they, for example, they can say like, we're sending money to Turkey after the earthquake. And, you know, you can feel better about yourself because you're able to give money to this organization who you think is doing something. But there's still a huge detachment from you and that community that you're wanting to help. Whereas like a mutual aid is a collective of people who come together and recognize needs. Like exactly like you were saying, Lean, it's not about funding. Like a lot of charities have to do a lot of marketing to raise money and like then put money back into marketing. And, and like a lot of it is fighting, you know, a lot of nonprofit organizations fight for funding, right? Whereas mutual aids, like I have this tool set or skill set and I know that this person in my community, because I've talked to them, I've connected with them, I've had face to face or like, you know, Zoom conversations with them like I know how we can help each other and you also know that like what you're doing that person that is in need you're giving them what actually what they need not just like you right, know exactly. yeah well so then my thought here is like why is it called a mutual aid fund in a sense to me this sounds like a form of economy that's been around prior to colonialism prior to capitalism in a sense right I mean if you think about it like historically, this is the way villages and, you know, at least I can't speak for every culture, but I feel like this historically, this is how we all kind of work together, right? It's like, you know, our neighbor has a farm, he grows this, you know, they have a well and they provide the water and we give the, you know, we give cucumbers to them to give us some water and they give us sheep and they give us, you know, but as, as a collective, I think the survival basis in order just to survive, like the food, the water, the shelter was in a mutual fund. Beyond that, it might have been more like for gain capitalism, whether you had something to sell and purchase but the basis of survival was always a foundation and that was always built upon 
an idea like this. So I'm just wondering, like, why is this separate? Why is this called a mutual aid fund? Maybe because it's on a smaller level than it is nowadays. Or like, it is like, I think you alluded a bit to it in it lean, like about the capitalistic society that we live in. I wonder if, because like for me, yeah, I thought of mutual. It was really weird lean because when you described what you understood from Margot's history lesson of mutual aid, it suddenly clicked in my head. And I think it's because I always thought of mutual aid so separately from the idea of just a community being engaged with each other. And I think it is because we exist in such this capitalistic society that the thought of mutual aid seems as if it's this foreign concept, this foreign ideology, when really it is as like I've now understood, like it finally clicked as we were just talking and hearing your both perspectives about it is it's just this very like idea that has existed across like centuries and other communities that move away from the capitalistic mindset that we have. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's exactly right. How like, and the government, I think our, our U.S. government, our capitalistic, democratic state, like, has done a lot to squash efforts of mutual aid, and and they're not all called funds. Lean just for semantics. Like some of them are societies or union is another keyword. So like labor unions and things like that are also considered in this mutual fund or mutual aid groups. But because they they have been threats in the past and like have are like accused of having socialist or communist agendas that threaten the U.S. government. And so I think intentionally we are not taught about these in school and sort of it's been divided from its true history, what you were getting at have, like how it, it really is just a community organized group that like you probably have been engaged in and not had that title. It is a form of economy if you think about it. And I think the reason that, you know, when you're growing up, it's taught to be as like a, oh, it's like a tribal system. It's like something, you know, like a village, like something small and exotic that people do far away where they lived in peace as a cute little thing together, you know, like they separate it from us. Right. And I think that's one because of the capitalistic gains that if you have an economy like that, you're not going to be able to get anything. But then too, if you think about it, so I'm not like well-versed in the idea of communism, but growing up, that's what communism was described to me as, you know, where it's like, oh, everybody gets equal things and, you know, nobody gets better than the other. And I'm just thinking like, man, the way they like try to like, there's so much political playing into whether you like how you can use um, these terminologies per se and even implement them. But at its basis, this is what humanity did from day one. And I think humanity tends to revert to this in times of need, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, from the experience that I've seen, at least in my country, you know, cities will do mutual aid funds together. They'll, they'll pull money together. Everybody will pull money together. And then, you know, if someone needs something, they say, okay, yeah, here's this. You go buy that thing to support yourself when you have time, put money back into it, right? Mm -hmm. In communities that do not have a viable per se economy, whether that's due to oppression or capitalism or some sort of racism or, you know, apartheid, all that put in together, something that's preventing money coming in and out and preventing these people from succeeding. This is kind of what we revert to anyway, right? And I think it's also very wild to think about because communities, like especially like this, like community and the society that we are raised in a lot of these basic ideas are framed like at with mutual aid like as you said lean with like communism and or margo you said with the history with anarchy and it's seen really really bad but then that core of just helping out with communities like people actually do it all the time within the society like i'm thinking about within like in our state like church like if people 
need a house. I've known like church members to come together to help like build a house for that person. But why is it that that is seen as something that's great and that's like community building, but then things like mutual aid or the principles like behind socialism and communism are seen as bad, even though it's all like at the same core is just people helping each other out and the collective coming together to support each other. Exactly. It's the political narrative that the people involved in the mutual aid fund provide per se that make them selected against or for that's exactly what it is yeah and i think one thing we all highlighted is that we don't like this whole concept was kind of like new or really not overt to us and i think that's also the point is that mutual aid groups being community organizations are not out there advertising for everyone to come join right it's because you are part of that community that then you are part of the collective and working to help them um, or their efforts and so it's they don't need to go out and seek more memberships right and so (laughs) i think we just naturally fall into our own community collectives or mutual aid groups or societies. But there is power in having the more organized or what you would call like established groups. So for example, like a key one, and I think that relates to healthcare is abortion aid. And because we are a society that is capitalistic and requires money for healthcare and access to healthcare is not equitable. So there's people who have the capacity to donate money for those um, who need need to receive or want to receive these services. And it can also be a very dangerous position to be in a person who's seeking an abortion in very many states at this time. And so established network is very valuable in especially things like this in in healthcare. And it's definitely, it makes me also even think about other like collective like healthcare works, like we've mentioned COVID-19, you've mentioned abortion funds. I think about also harm reduction or reach out to or like very community engaged health. I guess that's very, all of those are forms of mutual aid, but again, they just have that spin that sounds like a little bit better so that people don't feel as uncomfortable about it. And it's really a shame that things do get so like, polarizing, I think is the word that can be said when really like the core of this is something that's like very beautiful. It's something that's really built out of love, right? Because we're doing collective work for each other. Again, it comes back to that these groups are funded and rooted in BIPOC traditions, indigenous communities and things like that. And people that um, arguing and fighting for their rights, right? And I think that, you know, our racist systems of oppression and, and the fact that it's a colonized political system is going to squash these efforts. But the hope and what I find power in mutual aid funds is or groups is that it does give you a voice. It gives you more power than, for example, if I wanted to make change in the hospital for lactating residents and I've hit so many walls with administration, but going to a mutual aid group or forming a more community oriented group of residents to fight back or change things outside and above the reach of the administration is going to be more effective than joining a like a quote unquote resident committee on lactation or something. Because at the end of the day, there will be so many committees in this administration will put up these things to make you feel like your voice is being heard, but action very rarely gets 
taken. And when we come back to one of the tenets of a mutual aid society is direct action and social transformation in an egalitarianist view. To me, it feels so much more powerful. And so I hope by having this conversation about what mutual aid societies, groups, unions, funds are, that you can feel like there are people, there are collectives, you are already probably part of a community that is doing this work and putting more energy and effort into that work will probably be more rewarding, authentic, and functional for you and the things you would like to see changed in your life, in your society, in your systems that you function in, rather than like trying to fight the man, quote to quote, quote unquote, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Beautiful. Snaps to that. Retweet because <laughs> I mentioned mid Twitter. So we're going to retweet it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I literally, my brain. Um, I mean, as we're wrapping up this episode, I think tying it back to healthcare, there's so many ways to be involved in Okay, first of all, there's so much need in healthcare. There's so many gaps and so many ways that we can help our communities with healthcare and the skill sets that we will have as doctors that I think it's, it's so valuable to know the mutual aid funds in your, your local city, your local community. If you have any issues with the current government, like policies or things that are happening in our nation, there is probably a group and a collective of people who are working to change that. And so you don't have to feel like an individual person doing it alone look for those mutual aid funds. There's a website called mutualaidhub.org, which highlights a lot of big mutual aid societies that you can search for in your area. However, I think the best way to find out about it is talking to people in your community, going to local groups and organizations that you might find like through social media. Um, sometimes the algorithms can be really good. <laughs> um and by word of mouth and talking to those people, just the first step is reaching out to um, organizers or just someone on, tw on Twitter or on Instagram that may be talking about the same things you are and building and finding, uncovering, I would say, a community like that. I'm really happy that you did this topic, Marco, because I just found that it really helped clarify. Like I had heard mutual aid so much and I like really strongly believe in mutual aid, but I think this has been a very helpful reframing for me to really see it like outside of the politicized lens that the society and like a lot of discussion about mutual aid gives to it and to really understand it at its core. And I think that's so helpful for me to be a lot more meaningful as I go about thinking about how I can contribute to mutual aid funds or like mutual aid efforts and how I can move forward as a physician. Though, I guess as going back to what we talked about, I don't it's going to be interesting seeing how I'm going to do it with the time that I have as a resident. And that, yeah. And that's where like, even if you can only donate like $5, but you're part of that community and that collective, I think it's still meaningful because in some way you're still connected and doing the most that you can in that moment. I think it all comes back to connection. And I would say if you're a person who wants to be an ally, these mutual aid funds that are organized by the people who are oppressed or, you know, want no telling you what they want and need in their own words is a much better way to get involved and practice your allyship. If you, you do it respectfully, then like trying to just donate to big blanket organizations and nonprofits. And it's not insurance. 
<laughs> I literally got on here and I'm like, oh man, like I'm thinking Liberty Mutual, mutual, like, you know, something with mutual. I was like, oh, what are we going to talk about with this insurance situation? But Lean, it's an important point because I think insurance companies started and was an example of co-opting BIPOC traditions of mutual aid and capitalizing it. And so, uh, yeah. We, we can leave on that note how 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 horrible health healthcare insurance is and why we need mutual aid funds. It's a whole uh, it's a whole podcast of itself, not even an episode. Yeah, but anyways, I hope I brought some clarity about mutual aid funds. I inspired you to look and connect with your community. It doesn't need to be through a formal title of a mutual aid group or society or fund. But the whole core of the tenant and our whole podcast is like looking into your identity. And supporting your community, finding your community and being involved that way, making change against a system that is not working for a lot of people, including those overworked residents. (laughs) And there are things we can do. And sometimes I lose sight of that myself, but thinking back and and coming back to um, groups in my community that can help me reconnect and fight for change on a bigger level is so powerful. So. I'll leave you all with that note, unless either of you have a closing remark. I'm good. No. Okay. Uh, so thank you for listening to Bundle of Hers on this very rainy thunder day where our brains don't seem to be working too well, but we always appreciate you listening. And if you have anything you'd like to share about mutual aid funds or societies or just how you get involved with your community and stay active, um, please leave us a direct message on Instagram at bundle of hers and we'll be happy to send you a power through identity pin. So don't miss out. They look great on your lanyard, especially, yeah, especially all you new doctors out there who just graduated. (laughs) Gonna need some swag for your lanyards as an intern. (laughs) A reminder about your power while the schedule burns you out. Yes. Yes. So on that note, until next time, bye-bye.